This is a Centre for Stories podcast. I'm Claudia from the team here at the Centre for Stories, and I'm excited to introduce you to our story this week. Before we get into it, I wanted to share with you one of our upcoming events. On August 8th, you will have the opportunity to hear from two local writers during literary mixes. Kelly Van Nelson and Scott Patrick Mitchell will discuss their journeys to publication, their highs and lows, friends lost, and amount of wine and chocolate consumed during the writing process. Tickets for this event are available via our website. You will also find details in the information section for this podcast. We hope to see you there. Today's story is from our monthly dinner and storytelling event, Bread and Butter. On March 9th, 2018, Matthew and Daniel Bacon shared their story with an audience of 40 people at the Centre for Stories. They are two remarkable young storytellers bound to leave you with a lasting impression and many laughs along the way. Their story talks about self-love, identity and queer resilience. Cool. So I'm Matt um, and this is my twin brother, Daniel. Matthew, not again. Matt. We were born on the 3rd of July in 1995. I, I was born on the 3rd of July. We 19... were born on the 3rd of July in 1995. <laughs> you were born on the 25th of February 1993. Yeah, but I'm youthful. <laughs> yeah, but like technically. Okay, technically, but we look similar. Yeah, yeah, you do look similar, that's what I guess. Anyways, now that Dan's ruined that illusion, I'll tell you a little more about him from an outsider's perspective. Um, if you meet anyone tonight, you're like, oh, I just saw this guy, Dan Bacon, and they knew who he was. There was three things that every single person says about Dan. <laughs> So one is that he is charismatic as anything, which I'm very jealous of. <laughs> Two is that he is a bloody good time. I can back that up, yeah. And the third one <laughs> is yeah. okay. modesty, obviously. No. Um, and the third one is that he's very loyal. So Dan is the kind of person that will take his shirt off um, and give it to someone on the street if they needed it. Um, he is also the person that if you ever like call them up and he gets an inkling like you need company, he will already be halfway to your house. Um, it's those traits about Dan that makes me very blessed that I've got him as a brother, um, but also makes me feel quite intelligent that I chose him to be my best friend. <laughs> oh, I always forget this part. Oh, and he identifies as transgender. Yeah, it's going to make sense later, you know what I mean. Um, well, this is, this is Matthew, so he's my older brother, technically. Thanks. <laughs> um, and if you couldn't kind of tell, the, obviously by the way he speaks, so he's a very, very big heart. And I think he's just so considerate and pretty much the definition of selfless. And I think with everything he does, he always leads by example. And so I think he uses his past experiences um, to, I guess, with the understanding and sort of the empathy and he's real and he's relatable and I just love you and you're trustworthy. And again, he's, I'm very lucky to call him my incredible older brother, but more lucky to call him my best friend. Um, so, so, um, so after that, where, where do we begin? I mean, we're going, no, kidding, no. where do we begin? I suppose the best place to start is that we had a pretty ordinary childhood, um, except we grew up on the largest lettuce, hydroponic lettuce farm in Western Australia. <laughs> I mean, pretty, pretty, pretty long way, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually surprised we're still alive, just because of all the ridiculous things we kind of did. I mean, I always felt safe because I had two older brothers and I looked up to them so much, so I was like, yeah, no, we're good, we're good. And I think that kind of transcended even into teenage years and adult years, because if I'm with Matt, I know I'm okay. I don't think we were that unsafe. Or, I mean, if you think about... Like, yeah, we used to crawl through long grass. With, like, snake infested. Yeah. <laughs> and we did used to 
beat each other with PVC pipes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was sword fighting. Um, yeah, but I mean, look, I did like slice open my eyelid and you did fall off the cool room. Like that. Okay, put that way, that sounds pretty bad. Um, but we never made a mess, so... Yeah, that's... you didn't make a mess. I used to try pee standing up um, all the time, and it just went everywhere. Just eggs all the time. It was... Yeah, Dan was pretty disheartened when Mum had to teach him to pee Sit sitting down. down. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't as weird as his obsession with suits, so that's about I don't. I don't think that's weird. I don't think... We went to Bali and he got a tailor-made suit done and he was like, has to have red silk lining. Okay, that was my favourite colour. It has to be black with a pinstripe and it has to have three buttons because anything less than three buttons is... It's smart casual, you got to really balance it. But I just think, for me, it's the... When the Ferrari formal like, ads would come on when I was younger, I'd be like, ooh, that's a good suit. But again, that's not as weird as you having the obsession of being a Phantom's hairdresser. So. Okay, well, you said you wouldn't bring well, that up. Well, you brought up the three buttons, so like, we're gonna... Okay, it's not that weird that I wanted to cut someone's hair in purple tights. There's weirder things than being a Phantom hairdresser. Okay, like I said, we have our differences. Um, we have our differences, but um, we've always been really close. And I guess it kind of came to a point where our worlds kind of didn't make sense anymore. And I think that's when we had to kind of start keeping things hidden from one another. Yeah, so I think for um, me, that started in year six. So I um, swapped schools and it was a religiously affiliated school that I moved to. And so I was sitting in sex education, which is weird enough in year six. Like it's already so peculiar. Um, and the teacher got up and he was like, does anyone have any questions? And then like looked down because no teacher ever wants to answer the questions that kids have when it comes to that. Um, and so there I was and I put up my hand. <laughs> you would have. And I was like, oh, um, why are people gay? And so then the whole class bursts out laughing. Like there is not a dry eye in the house. And I'm like, what is going on? And then he goes, Matthew. And you or know, you're in trouble if you say your last name. When yeah. someone like says full name, like you know you're in trouble. And so he goes to me, he goes, Matthew, that's not appropriate. You need to see me after class. And so I was there and I was a teacher's pet, like self-proclaimed teacher's pet. That's how much of a teacher's pet I was. Um, so I went back after class and I went up to him and I was like, oh, um, before you answer my question, can I ask another one? Um, why did you respond that way? And then he says to me, he goes, you have to understand that a lot of parents would be very upset to find out that we've put ideas in kids' heads today. And I was like, okay then. Um, and being that I didn't even realise my own sexuality at the time, um, I didn't realise how homophobic that was. Um, but then afterwards I was like, okay, so why do you think people are gay? And he ends up referencing a verse from Romans, from the Bible. Um, and the gist of it was that there was a community of people who sinned so often and so regularly that um, God gave them over to their lowest forms of depravity and only then did they end up sleeping with people of the same gender. Um, so then he precursed that and was like, so sexual sin is really dangerous. So if you start masturbating, then you'll end up watching porn. And if you watch porn, then you have sex out of wedlock. And if you have sex out of wedlock, then eventually you end up just doing really depravious acts, like sleeping with the same gender and sleeping with animals. Um, and so there I was in year six without realising even who I was yet, um, but having an understanding that gay and bestiality were in the same clan. Um, I then went up to my friend and I was like, why did everyone laugh when I asked that question? Like, I thought it was a pretty ordinary thing. Um, and then he was like, oh, it just, don't worry about it. It just looks bad because now people are going to think you're gay because who would want to know that unless you were? 
And that was probably the first time that I was like, I'm not quite like everyone else in my age. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, I it was in year seven, um, and we were sitting around. It was lunchtime, and so I was like, yeah, sitting with my friends, and yeah, they were all girls. And randomly, you know, conversation comes up like, if you could be a boy or a girl, what would it be? And I'm like, oh, obviously, boy. Like, what kind of question is that? <laughs> like, that's just like, I mean, we're just pretty much like living this life because we have to, and then, you know, it's just, it's just happening. And then it's um, like, it's clearly, <laughs> but you know, boy. Um, <laughs> anyway, you guys go. And then um, they were all like, went around the circle and they were like, I see the pros, I see the cons, but they'll go. And then I was just like, yeah, cool. Like, um, <clears throat> yeah, cool, awesome. And then I was pretty much like, okay, there was something different. And it was that I hadn't thought the way they had felt and I hadn't, um, yeah, just essentially there was just something different within like what we were talking about and I knew that my opinions were not shared and that I was different and so then I started keeping them to myself because I wasn't like anyone else. So I think that moment when I started hiding things was a little later because I, I didn't, not realise, but I didn't know, know um, until probably year eight and this is going to sound like a massive stereotype and a massive cliche, so I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> He's not sorry. Broke, <laughs> Brokeback Mountain came out when I was 13. <laughs> Um, and I used to watch the Oscars with my mum every year and she was like, Matt Brokeback Mountain is getting so much praise, you have to watch it. Um, so I like went to bed one night and I was watching Brokeback Mountain and if anyone's seen the movie, about 20 minutes in, um, there's a certain scene, um, that if you're attracted to men, you're like, oh, I just blushed a little bit too hard and my heart is racing just a little bit too much. Um, and so I had this moment where I was laying in bed and I was like, why do I want to rewind the movie so bad right now? Why am I blushing? Why am I nervous when there's no one here? Like, what is this feeling? And so I got just under halfway through the movie and I was like, oh my God, you're gay. Like you are, well, I'm not shearing sheep or climbing mountains, but you are I'm gay, yeah. Um, and so that was sort of a bit of a, I don't know how to take this moment. And then five minutes later, um, there's a scene in the movie where they find a body in a gully and the dad's like, that's what happens to gay people. They get murdered and they get castrated. But more than that, um, the police don't care and their families don't care because that's what happens to gay people. They're alone in this life. Um, so that was the moment that I was then like, oh, okay, now not only do I know that I'm gay, but I now know I need to keep that a secret because that's not appropriate. Um, it's not appropriate to feel that way. <sighs> yeah, that's okay. Look, hey, I don't blame you. Heath, heartthrob, right? I'm just saying. Like, I just personally think, like, I miss him. Yeah. I personally, I miss him. Beautiful man. Um, so that was sort of the beginning for me, <clears throat> especially for the next three years. There was sort of this, like, moment where I was constantly trying to hide a part of myself. Um, and because of that, I had no self-confidence. Um, except for this character that I sort of created, the one that like didn't listen to Britney Spears or Christina Aguilera. Um, and then I was filled with self-loathing because from year six, I was told that it was something that I did to myself. That if I hadn't have um, thought certain thoughts that I wouldn't be in this position. Um, so then I had a healthy dose of self-loathing on top of that. Um, and then factor in guilt as well. It was just sort of a big old messy situation 
um, that ended in me crying myself to sleep for about three years because I would be there and I'd be praying to God and I'd just go, if you don't want me to sin, like I don't want to sin, you don't want me to sin, so like let's just cure this. Yes. Let's just get it out of the way. Just please cure me. Um, I don't want to feel this way. It's hard not to get caught up in, I guess. Yeah. So um, I was in this moment where I was so caught up in my own life um, that there were things that I started missing. And so whereas I was caught up in my life, Dan decided that he would get caught up in everyone else's so that he could sort of avoid his own issues that he was going through. Thanks, babe. <laughs> hey, if you weren't playing psychologist to all of your friends, um, you probably wouldn't... I mean, you're the one studying psychology right now, so I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, yeah, that's me now, not a 13-year-old trying to be someone's psychologist. Anyways, all I'm saying is that if you weren't playing psych, you probably would have had an easier journey or one that was just a little short. Is all. Okay. okay. Um, I do obviously agree that um, I, you know, I did do that, but I guess in a situation you can only kind of do as well as you can in your position. And on that note, I think we will take you on another journey. Um, but we would like to say that this this journey is it's, it's like a family trip already. It's going to go further. And on, you know, on any trip, you've got to bring a backpack that you carry with you. <laughs> and a little precursor in this backpack is love. <laughs> and we love our family. And this is in the backpack we're going to take with yeah, you yeah. now. So um, we, honestly, we will precursor this. Like, I know 110% that our mum and dad love us and they accept us now. Um, and that we are more blessed than a lot of people. Um, in saying that, though, our parents did put us in quite a few hard positions in our life. Um, very proud to say that we grew from them and didn't Ish. let us, well, didn't permanently get us <laughs> down. Um, That's true. Yeah. but, yeah. um, so just throwing it out there, our, our mum had a massive problem with alcohol when we were young. Um, and for someone who was in year nine and sort of needing to talk to someone, I remember I would look at my mum and be like, you can't even take care of yourself. Like you can't even have basic self-control, like how are you going to help me? How are you going to be able to support me? Mix that then with my dad, who was the son of a military man, um, who also, we have a generational gap, and he's very much one of those, like, I love you, here's $20. Um, not one of the, like, I love you, let's sit down and emotionally support you. Um, so that sort of confounded into me um, running into religion quite heavily. Um, which instead of getting like messages of acceptance that I probably needed, I got a lot of messages of homophobia. Um, and the worst part was I internalized a lot of that because I respected the church because even though um, they didn't know parts of me, they listened. Um, and I didn't have anyone else that was doing that at the time. So there was a very vulnerable and very sensitive Matt that um, yeah, found my escape there. Um, and unfortunately that drove me and my mum further apart because my parents both weren't religious. It's something that I found by myself and, um, my mum hated that I became religious. So I very much distanced myself from that relationship, um, which meant when she needed support, it all fell on Dan. Um, and I sort of just left him hung and dry for that. I don't blame you. I know, but I blame me. I'm don't, sorry. Don't blame me. Um, it is, it is true that I did step up earlier than my two older brothers with regards to the caretaker role of my mother. Uh, though I will say that it was, it was natural, um, because I was not the man you see before you today. Um, I was a young, confused child living life as a girl. So for me, for my two older brothers to dress your mother, that's, that's not, you know, it's not appropriate. It's not, you know, that's my role. 
to step into. And so it was hard because, like I said, uh, my oldest brother was traveling around the world at that time and Matt was traveling, you know, in the pathway of the church. And so she was like, I've lost my two only sons. And she would cry about it. And I was a very big thing parents. I've lost my two only sons. And I'd be there in front of her, like, you know, working through it being like, it breaks my heart that you can't see ones right in front of you. Um, and you know what I mean? And we, and we did work through that, um, I guess, and, you know, that's where I stayed, you know, with her in front of her for years, whether it was to catch her tears or to catch her falls or just to help her catch her breath. Um, it was, yeah, it was really important for me to do that. Um, and then even, you know, once you, obviously there's a lot of sleepless nights, um, but then once you kind of get her settled, you then do the house chores and that because my dad was very out of sight, out of mind. So he'd go to bed and then, you know, whatever happened, happened. And then when he'd wake up and he'd see, oh, the, you know, the dishes are done and the house isn't, you know, it's in you know, okay shape, then your behavior isn't okay, but I'm not as disappointed. So I kind of did that to ease the conflict um, because she was already so mad and so sad at herself, she wouldn't have been able to handle it from him as well. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, definitely hard. There's a lot of memories that I cannot uh, forget that she does not remember. A lot of memories that she simply does not recall. I remember recalling, I'd be yawning at the breakfast table after barely sleeping and she'd be like, Wah! Why are you yawning? You probably spent all night watching TV. And I'd be like, I'm sorry, like I just had a late one, I couldn't sleep. And then Matt would be like, <laughs> and he tried to step in a couple of times and again, because I obviously want to protect her, I said, no, it's okay. Um, you know what I mean? Um, but like I said, he was one of the people who kind of knew what was going on behind you know, in the background, but it did give me um, a gift in a way because going into primary school and then into high school, if anyone was ever not okay, it was, oh, bacon, bacon, and I would be like, this is, I'm not overwhelmed at all, this is great, this is good, <laughs> this is relaxing, it was kind of like therapeutic. Um, and then also being the child going through high school, I knew how bad it was at home and how much I struggled and how I could turn that away with a smile and no one would even know. So I then knew what to look for. So whether I was walking through the hallways and seeing someone two years younger or two years older or my same age, I'd know what to look for and I'd be able to pull them aside and break their walls down and make sure they were okay and make sure they could accept themselves. And Matt is right, it was a huge deflection. Um, it was a huge distraction. And I think just deep down I was hoping if I could save them, if I could save enough people, then maybe I could save myself. So to say that there were some pretty dark days around this time for us both, is Bit of an understatement. Um, I was very, very blessed though and very, very lucky that I ended up having a, a teacher and a chaplain come into my life at school, um, which sort of came to be because I was in drama class one day and it was year 12, so 2010, and um, waste exams for young people is so much pressure already. Factor in home life and self-hatred, um, trying to keep this secret constantly. Um, and then a person in my grade passed away from a car accident. It all just confounded and it was too much. So I had this huge breakdown in drama um, one day, which is very gay of me looking back. <laughs> um, even in the most theatrical place in school, I found a way to be more theatrical. Um, Not wrong. <laughs> so the teacher, the teacher grabs me and takes me outside. And it's like, listen, you need to see the chaplain. I'm referring you to her because... You, this needs to be talked about. And so I was like, yeah, sure, of course I'll go. Left drama and I was like, I'm not going to see the chaplain. Like, no, that's not a thing that I'm doing. Um, so I go about my week and I go to class and then up she walks and she's like, sorry, can I just take Matt out of class? And I was like, 
Sure. So then get up and walk away. And at the time I was like, I am going to be reluctant. Like I'm not telling you anything. Like I'm just going to say that I just watched like My Girl or something and I was crying because of that. Like it was going to be like completely non-opening up at all. Um, and then I sat there for five minutes and ended up confessing that I was very much a homosexual male, that all about my mum and my home life, and yeah, it all happened in it's my... Just Fort Knox, just, just Fort really, Knox. just yeah. nothing, nothing gets past him, he's just... I'm really locked down. Five minutes, that's a record. <laughs> really held it out, didn't you? Um, <laughs> how dare you? I mean... Um, so yeah, I, I sat there and, and I did, I started walking through my same-sex attraction, um, and... It's amazing those moments that like change you because that was the first time that I ever had said those words that I didn't feel dirty. Um, so the fact that I was able to do that was very, very therapeutic. And um, I like to think that even if that didn't all go ahead that I would still have gotten to this point. Um, but the moral of the story is that that was the first step in me feeling proud, um, which when I look back on it, I'm like, I sort of deserve to be proud since day dot. So yeah, that was sort of like a big, big moment for me. Yeah, I guess for me, uh, relating to that situation is I wasn't at a good place. It was definitely getting worse. Matt was sufficiently worried. Um, I was kind of letting myself break down um, in the comfort kind of. of my bedroom alone, or my study alone, uh, which was, you know, just really nice. You know what I mean? Just definitely. Yeah, he would always be like, oh, I'm just stressed about assignments, that's all. Yeah, look, that was a lie, but, you know, that happens. There's definitely textbooks with tears things on them, but that's okay. Um, and it kind of got to a point, I remember one time Matt came in and I'm there, like, just looking at an assignment, like, you know, classic. And then um, Matt's like, I think you should see someone. And I'm like, no, 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 no. He's like, I, they really helped me. And I just, he's like popping his head. I just think you should just see someone. I was like, get out, Matt. Good night. Good night. Love you, have a good sweet, like, good, like, night's sleep. I'm just gonna sit here, like, right here, just do work all night, it's fine. Um, next minute, like, next morning, he comes in at 7 a.m., I'm still there, like, just looking at my assignment, and he's just like, just incomplete, desperation you know, on my face, and he just knew how to play it. You know, when your brother just knows how to get ya, and I was, it was, he said, I sat there and I was just like, you know, if you go see her, she'll give you an extension on your assignment. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you, like, that's the kind of person I was. I was like, look, I was desperate. I don't know. My literature teacher was a dragon lady. So I was like, look, I got no choice. So I was very, I was very against it. Like, to be fair, I, you know what I mean? I did struggle with it, but I did the session. I did get the um, extension as well. Yeah, and whereas I was like the attempted Fort Knox, Danny's like the literal Yeah, if Matt's, if Matt's reluctant, I'm impossible. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was more than five minutes for me. But um, we did the first session and... Um, she was like, I, th I think you should come back for another one. And I was like, no, nah, I'm all right. It's okay. It's all right. I've got the extension. It's all right. It's good. Like, Maybe at least till you finish the assignment. I was like, okay, like, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, good to have in the back pocket there. But um, I guess for me, like, a huge reason why I had never opened up before and really struggled with it is because I had been dealing with this weight um, for my mother and I knew the way and the negative impact that her burden had on me. And I just never wanted to be that to somebody else. And I just would hold on to the fact that I could not be that to somebody else. I didn't want to make someone else feel the way I was feeling every day and every night. Um, but I did go back to her um, and it was all under my conditions. It was on off periods. Every classroom had to be in. And then I would then stealth around the school and then pretty much break into her office. And if someone somewhat saw me, I would run away. 
Um, and you know, we did sessions <laughs> and uh, bit by bit, she did break me down with a lot of resistance, but yeah, it got me there. And I just think, you know, to a place where she was like, you're not okay, you need to, you need to see a doctor. And I was like, I can't, like my parents can't, no, I, I, I can't do that. And obviously legally she couldn't do anything without my parents' consent. And I respect so much that she, you know what I mean? She didn't break my trust and she didn't do that. Um, and what happened is the day after I graduated where she was no longer my teacher, she picked me up, she drove me to the doctor and I got diagnosed with severe depression and anxiety and I started therapy. And so for me, I would not be here today without her. Um, I can say that confidently. Um, that was my first real safe place. Um, it was my first place where I could really actually unpack things and begin my journey of being self-aware. Um, so I cannot yeah, speak more highly of that. Yeah, so whereas Dan was oh, just yeah, starting the journey, um, I very much was like in the middle of mine. I was one of those people that like, no, I'm not coming out, I'm not coming out. Strap the glitter cannon <laughs> to your back. <laughs> Pull the thing. <laughs> Spray it everywhere. I was like, went from closeted Christian boy graduating high school to like full-fledged Kinsey Six homosexual. Um, so I really like leaps and bounds. Um, so it was during that stage as well that I, um, I was in like my second year of uni and I was like, God, my sex education was terrible. I should probably do an elective in sexology. Um, which ended up being the best decision that I ever made because one, it led me towards the profession that I'm in now, which I absolutely love and worship. Um, but two, it gave me a really good baseline education um, for what was going to be really important later in the way that I um, had really good abilities in doing education. Um, I learned a bunch about supporting people. Um, and most importantly, whereas I wasn't there for Dan in high school, um, I sort of had like a really good baseline that I could be there for him and be the brother that I always wanted to be. Um, so yeah, sexology was the best thing that ever happened in that sense. Not... Your number one best thing. Obviously, like, yeah, okay, good. Look, safe, safe call, isn't it? He was other, there for a second. Other best thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, if someone says loving yourself is easy, they're lying to you. Lying. They're lying. Straight lying. to your face. It's just awful. <laughs> just be careful with them, okay? Like, just like, just take a step back maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I did therapy. You know, there was breakthroughs. There was multiple breakdowns. I can tell you that. Um, I also realised that I um, had a crush on my best friend, who was a girl. I realized I like women, um, and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you in a therapy session. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you this. I'm gonna tell you. And so then the entire therapy session, I was building myself up, and I was like, not now, not now, but soon. And then it was like, oh, time's up. And I was like, you're kidding me, right? And so I'm, Matt picks me up, and I'm there like just a bunch of nervous energy, and Matt gets in the car like, what is going on with you? And I'm like, look, Matt, I mean, I just, yeah, look, I just think, I think we need to talk. And I'm sitting there like driving like, yeah. And I'm like, hey Matt, you know, you know how you like, like, you like boys, you like boys. And like, that's cool. Like, I'm not, no judgment. Like, that's so fine with me. Like, that's, I mean, cool. You know, you know what I mean? And I'm there just like, yeah. <laughs> and you know, and you know how you think like, you think like guy, guy on guy. And that, that's cool. And then, um, I don't, but I like, I think about a, like a girl and a guy, but like, I think, I think about the girl and, um, but like, I'm the guy. But like, but like, I think, I think about the girl, you know? And so I'm there and I'm like, Dan, maybe you should come to the court with me sometime. <laughs> it's a really fun place. Um, and I was like, okay. So I say all that and then I'm, but little does Dan know that I'm sitting there like, my brother's transgender. Um, yeah, I actually was just like, I just came out as a lesbian. So I had no idea what transgender was, you know what I mean? 
Um, I told my family they were not surprised. Um, and then I started dating... The lesbian. Just told the lesbian part they weren't surprised. Oh, yeah, no, the second bit, yeah, no, yeah. The second bit. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. Oh, wait for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, I told my family that I was a lesbian. And they were like, oh, yeah, no, okay. And then I started, you know, dating my first girlfriend and she was kind of like, mm, like, okay. Like, she was quite educated and she was like, hey, like, this is what transgender is type thing. And I was like, oh, like, that's really, yeah, what I, what I want. And she was like, okay. And then I was like, I, I can't do it. She was like, why? I was like, uh... I was a test tube baby and my parents designed me to be a girl, so that would break their heart. And she was like, you do realise you're not being yourself, you're only breaking yours. And I was like, okay, you are right. And uh, after a lot of struggles for a couple of years, I finally sat my parents down and was like, hey, look, I'm transgender. And the first thing, it wasn't received as well, the first thing my dad said to me was, you'll never be a boy. Second, the first thing my mum said to me was, who's going to love you? Uh, which was, again, it was hard, but at the same time, I knew that they were confused. They didn't know what it was. Um, and they were scared because their entire vision of what they imagined for my life was crumbling around them. And they didn't know what this meant for me. And I was like, I want to tell the family because I'm obviously really close with my family. And they were like, no, don't do that. And I think they were kind of worried that maybe I just wasn't the right decision. I didn't know what I was talking about. Uh, and for me, I actually respected that wish because I knew when I transitioned, it wasn't just me transitioning. It was my parents transitioning. It was my brothers transitioning. It was my whole family transitioning. It was my friends. It was complete strangers. And it was a journey that I wanted them to be on with me. And so I held back um, telling people for a little while out of respect so we could do it together. And although they were really scared, I was really excited. So flashing forward to like the more like optimistic part of this story. Um, so where I'm at now is I um, finished my undergrad in health promotion and I now work for the Western Australian AIDS Council. So I'm the health promotion officer for gay and bisexual men's health. Um, so my role there is all around holistic gay and bisexual men's health, funnily enough. Um, so we do a lot of workshops and education, doing education on self-esteem, how to navigate gay community, um, as well as like a lot to do with safer sex practices and um, different sexual behaviours. I also work for the Youth Affairs Council of Western Australia doing safe sex education with um, high school students. So um, a lot of consent and respect um, messaging, which is where I, I love being with heterosexual youth. Um, and then on top of that, I'm finishing my master's in sexology as well. So it's sort of like sex, 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 sex. Um, <laughs> don't ask him what his hobbies are. Like just don't. Know. Yeah. It's the imagination part of you. Mum learned to stop asking me what I learned that day. I'd be like, do you know the clitoris? And she was like, please don't. I don't need to learn about that from my gay son. Like, that's cool. That's a fair point. Um, so yeah, that's sort of like where I'm at now. I guess um, picking up from where I left off with my parents, um, I did obviously, you know, wait a little bit till they were more comfortable. And then I kind of said, look, we've kind of given a bit of time, but I want to tell the rest of the family. It's important to me. Uh, so I made the decision to actively phone each family member or meet up with them in person and just tell them. I wanted them to know my hardships, but I wanted them to know that this is a good thing. It's a good thing for me, but it's a good thing for our family. Uh, and it was received with open arms. Uh, they were knew something was... You know, I wasn't okay, and they realised this makes sense, and we're happy for you. I then got to pretty much tell the world, and that was also received wow. really positively. Um, I am very lucky because not everyone gets to, you know, sit on this side of the story and be able to say that. Um, I then obviously have been on, you know, hormones for quite a while now, 
Uh, got top surgery, so that's a you know weight off my chest. I mean, I mean literally, but yeah, um, yeah. That, um, and then um, you know, and then since then, I guess for me, it's just crazy to think that where I'm at to this day, because I never like I would have struggled to believe that I would have got here. You know, for so long I couldn't see a tomorrow. Um, you know, I've been through you know the depression and the anxiety and the suicidal ideation and the suicidal attempts and you know to kind of come out on the other side and accept and love yourself um, and be able to believe, you know, and know who you are in the present through your past helps you see a brighter future. And so it's also funny because I was, you know, the person who could never talk about anything and now I'm like, if you need help, you should talk to somebody and like get professional help, open up to your friends, open up to your family. Like communication is honestly so key. Um, and for someone who could just never talk about their emotions, I now, like write and perform poetry, which is like, <laughs> life is funny like that. I'm out there like, hey guys, this is my soul on the line right now. <laughs> and this like, 11 year old me be like, what are you doing? <laughs> but you feel, don't feel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> of course you do. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Okay. But um, yeah, so it's kind of, yeah, I just think it's funny that kind of life works out like that. Yeah, and then I suppose, um, so the reason why I sort of agreed to do tonight is there's something that I call like queer resilience um which is all around this like such deep sense of knowing yourself that you're like my family might hate me my friends might hate me and I might be left alone in this world but like I know myself so well that if I don't do this that like there isn't a life so you're like so I'm gonna just chance everything and I'm just gonna lay it on the line um and in that process you sort of win yourself so you could lose people but you win you um, so that was sort of the first thing that I really wanted people to sort of take from this night. Um, I guess the next thing as well is that because of my experiences with sex education and that very much moving me towards what I do now, um, it's just sort of, yeah, to emphasise that there's a lot of things in this world that feel really natural for people. Um, and when shame and stigma and guilt is attached to those really like natural body autonomy things like it's so so dangerous um and again i had so much like guilt and i've got friends that are both gay straight bi like all colors of the rainbow that still don't feel comfortable talking about sex and it's one of the most like bizarre things in this world um to me so i sort of like that's what's shaped what i do and so that's sort of another thing that i wanted to be a take-home message <laughs> i just love how passionate he is so like passionate. you're so passionate um yeah, and I guess for me, it's just really kind of coming, you know, full circle um, in a lot of ways, just figuring out who you are and taking the time to, because when I was younger, I was like, what's a, what's a sex change? Like, what's that? And then now I'm like, I've literally done that. <laughs> like, I've literally done that, and that's me. Um, and it's just, with every day, there's nothing but reassurance, and there's nothing like, this is who I am, and this is the life I meant to have lived. And I often say, like, what a time to be alive, but... Uh, because it really is um, for me and getting to that point of loving and accepting myself has obviously changed my life and I want everyone to feel that and I'm grateful for people in my life who've got me here for all the hardships as well because they've let me get to this point and the fact that I can sit here and say that I know who I am and I love who I am um, is really incredible and I guess me and Matt both have a really big love for people and we want to you know allow people to just be themselves because for so long we weren't and we were suppressed and we see the detriment of that um, and yeah, I just obviously am very thankful for everyone I share my life with, but 
no more than this guy right here because um <laughs> honestly the way he lives his life um and just the strength and the optimism and just just the pride and the honesty and just how authentic he is allows me every day to do it as well so that's there it. isn't a life without you little brother <laughs> so, yeah, that's Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this story, please rate, review and subscribe to our podcast. If you would like to listen to more stories, check out our upcoming events, subscribe to our mailing list or find out more about what we do, head to www.centerforstories.com.